Good morning, Orangewood. Our scripture reading today comes from Matthew 16. If you are willing and able, would you please stand as I read verses 13 to 27. Now, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elisha, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples strict orders that they were to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and to suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and to be killed and to be raised up on the third day. And yet Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but men's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what good will it do a person if he gains the whole world, but forfeits his soul? Or what will a person give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every person according to his deeds. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, Orangewood. It is good to be with you on this very special occasion, and it's an honor to be able to speak this message at the installation of Dr. Tyler Graff. What a privilege it is to be here to do this with you all today in present and on our video. This is a very, very special time, as has already been said, and the Church of Jesus Christ has recognized down through the ages how significant it is for the church to stop to pause, to remember, uh, to celebrate the great transitions and accomplishments that Jesus Christ as the head of the church has accomplished for his church. And this is one of those very special days. Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ deserves all the honor and praise and glory for where we're at here today. So this is a special time. I, now, I'm not going to lie. Every time I think about installing a senior pastor, I kind of smile. You know, it's kind of like um, installing a new air conditioning system or a new computer program on your computer. I, I, I go there, and you may too. And, uh, but there's a logic to that, even, as we think about it, because uh, whenever you install a new AC system or a new program on your computer, it's new power, new strength, new opportunities, a new future. 
And that's exactly uh, what we face here today. And so that's, that's an awesome time to be with you. But as my ministerial colleagues would say, and will say, Pete, you understand that the word install means to firmly establish a new path. I know, I get that. And, and as Joe Creech pointed out, that's what we're doing here today. We are looking uh, at the formal establishment. It's important for you, the congregation, to understand that this really is a denomination-wide event that's going on here today. Uh, you approved the new senior pastor. Our presbytery approved the new senior pastor. Our denomination approves the new senior pastor. So this really is uh, a, a denomination-wide event that's taking place here today. Well, you know, many times uh, Pastor Chuck Berry will say when he welcomes you guys in the morning, he'll say, good morning. What does he say? Good morning, church. Uh, let, hey, why don't we say that to each other today? All right, one, two, three, ready? Good morning, church. Because we are the church of Jesus Christ and there is no more appropriate time to think about what does it mean to be the church than today. This is a great time to think about what does it mean to be the church of Jesus Christ living in this time, in this place, and doing these things. And so I want to ask the question as the title of the sermon, who are we and what do we have? Who are we and what do we have? I'm going to tell you that the subtitle of this sermon is Burn, Baby, Burn, okay? I'll explain that later. Uh, what do we have? Who, who are we and what do we have? And uh, the text of Scripture was read before. If you have your Bibles, keep those open, uh, but we'll put that up in front of us as we take a look. So I got three basic questions that come out of these verses that we're going to look at today. Three basic questions. Who is Jesus Christ? Who is the church and what do we have? Those are the three questions we want to look at today. And they come right out of this text in, in a very clear manner. Now, I only have an hour and a half to preach, so I better get going quickly uh, on this text today. But first of all, I want you to note the question comes out, who is Jesus Christ? We see that in the first five verses. Before we can talk about the church, you have to talk about Jesus Christ, don't you? We know that. It's obvious. You can't talk about the church without talking about Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the founder of the church. He's the head of the church. Without Jesus Christ, you have no church. And so we start talking about who is Jesus Christ. Now, take a look at verse 13 because this is fascinating. I got a little map here for you uh, to take a look at. It says, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, and some of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Uh, and Peter said the magic words, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, real quick, I want you to take a look at this map and where the arrow is pointing, uh, and, and these maps are always too small as uh, Mark Nix pointed out the other day. I should have picked a bigger map, I know, but there it is. But you can see with the red line, it points up uh, to where Jesus is with his disciples at a place called Caesarea Philippi to distinguish it from Caesarea uh, Maritima, which is down on the coast a little bit further down. This is Caesarea Philippi, and it's important to, this, to the understanding this text uh, right up near the uh, ancient site of uh, the capital of the tribe, Dan. 
This area, Caesarea Philippi, is called Banyas today, or Banyas today. And it was for some time the very center of the worship of the god Pan, the Greek god Pan. And if you remember from your Greek mythology days, Pan was the god who was partly goat and partly man. And I would show you a picture of the paintings of them, but they're all hideous, as all false gods are. Uh, pretty horrible, so I didn't want to uh, disturb you with that picture. But the point that stands out here today that is important, uh, understanding that Caesarea Philippi was 25 miles uh, north of the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum, or Capernaum, right where Jesus started his ministry, uh, understand that historically in this area, uh, this was in the Old Testament time, the center of the god Baal. Uh, Baal. Baal was worshiped in different parts, as you know, all over Israel. Uh, but, but Baal was worshiped here. Then after that came the worship of the god Pan, that Greek god Pan. And now in Jesus' time, when he's here with his disciples, it is the center of the worship of the emperor, uh, uh, Caesar. And, and so what this, this is a very unique place because Jesus in this place uh, where there have been worship of every other God except really the God of Israel, he asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? So in this very important place, uh, it, we, we catch a couple of things. One, we catch that everybody's going to worship, right? We are wired as people to worship. We, we look to that which is greater than us, bigger than us, more powerful than us. And if we can't find that, we'll worship ourselves. We are inveterate worshipers created to worship. And, and if we don't worship the true God, we will worship a God. And if we don't worship a God, we will have the tendency to worship the state, which is the problem we see moving uh, around us in America uh, today. So Jesus, Jesus is doing some market research here in this area where every God and his mother has been worshiped. And he says to his disciples, okay, guys, we've made an impact so far in our ministry. Uh, let's do a little market research. Who do people say that I am? Have they got it? Who am I? Who do they think I am? And aren't the responses absolutely fascinating? John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Now you say, why is that so fascinating? Glad you asked. Um, it's fascinating because, let me ask you, talk to me, is John the Baptist alive at this point? No, he's dead. And so some of the people are thinking that Jesus is John the Baptist resurrected, and we know that that not resurrected, but reincarnated uh, in John the Baptist. And we know that reincarnation has no place in Christian doctrine. Uh, and so they, some people think he's John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, who is the traditional forerunner of the Messiah. So they look and they say, well, Jesus, you're the forerunner of the Messiah, not the Messiah. And then they say, Jeremiah, that, that always is fascinating. Why would they think of Jesus as Jeremiah. What's Jeremiah's nickname? The weeping prophet. Why? Because everywhere he went, he spoke of doom upon Israel for their rebellion of the true God. And so some people saw Jesus as the weeping prophet Jeremiah because he was condemning Israel as it was at that time. And then one of the prophets, it just shows that everybody had their idea about what was going to take place at the end times. 
But check it out. There was no real consensus as to who Jesus was. He'd been around. He'd been ministering, but they didn't know who he was. And so isn't Jesus the master communicator? He totally sets his disciples up right here. Totally sets them up. And, and he, gets the, uh, he gets the market research, and then he looks at him and he says, but who do you say the Son of Man is? Now, at that point, he was giving them a tip-off to who he, he thought he, he, what he wanted them to say, because he's making that reference to Daniel chapter 7, where the Son of Man, this supernatural, divine human being who rules the earth, uh, is the, is the tip-off. You know, who do you think the Son of Man is? That was Jesus' favorite title for himself. And so uh, they, but they don't really get it right. But he says that, but who do you say that I am? As we think of moving ahead as a church with a new pastor, supporting the elders, the deacons, the staff, the most important question we can ask right now is, who do you say Jesus Christ is? That's a supreme focusing question for us right now. Who do we say that Jesus is? Some of you will say, hey, that's easy. I'm an evangelical. He's the son of God and savior of sinners. I echo what Peter says. Well, look, look, look what a recent survey from League and Air and Lifeway uh, Ministries says uh, that an evangelical is today. And uh, these are the uh, five, four points of an evangelical. The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. Uh, it's very important for me to uh, personally encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ. Jesus' death on the cross is the only sacrifice. So, do you all agree with those four points? Sure, but let me give you this. Uh, statistics show that near, nearly two-thirds, 65%, say that Jesus is the first and greatest created being by God. Wait, wait, did you catch that? that these, this is the definition of evangelicals, but the market research of evangelicals today is that two-thirds believe he was the highest creating being of God. Three in ten say Jesus was a great teacher, but not God. Those are evangelicals. Going to Bible-thumping churches, just like Orangewood. And that's amazing. And so I say it is crucial where we are right now in the history of God's working of redemption to understand who Jesus is and to say clearly who Jesus is. Let me illustrate this, well, how, how important it is. Uh, I was talking to my neighbor the other day, and many of you say, uh, you're old, you're a grandpa, I know, I'm grandpa, I am old, uh, but my neighbor just got old too because he became a grandpa just the other day, and you'd love him, he's a doctor in education, he's, everybody in our neighborhood loves him, he's a great guy. Well, he just had his first grand, his daughter had first grandbaby, so was, he, was, he and I were talking about that. And you know, on your first child, as with your first grandchild, you get a little tear in your eye. About the third grandchild, it's like, oh man, there's more work going on here. Um, but your first one, and he was all tender, and he was going like this. He didn't have the baby. He was, going, he was just waxing eloquent about how his grandchild is the best grandchild in the world. And I, I told him that I told you guys that mine are, actually, in reality. But then he said, he said, you know, I, I was talking about, he, he, I was talking with my friends about this and I can't believe that anybody would, would think that abortion was okay 
in, in light of the, just look at the, how could they ever say, and he said, I was talking about that with my, my brother-in-law at a men's Bible study. And my brother-in-law said, well, I don't know. And, and my neighbor said, well, don't you believe that Jesus is the son of God? And his brother-in-law said, well, I think he's a great prophet, but I'm not sure about son of God. And so I'm, I'm just listening to my neighbor talk. And I'm thinking to myself, how did I get from his grandbaby, first grandbaby to abortion to Jesus is the son of God and savior of sinners? And I thought about it later. I said, I know how. Why? Because Jesus, who Jesus is, changes everything. Changes everything. And he caught that. And he doesn't even go to church every Sunday. He's not a Presbyterian, so I don't know if he's really saved. You know, the bottom line. But, but the reality is he got the connection. Who Jesus is changes how you view life, how you view a child. Changes everything, doesn't it? Students, as we go forward, everything depends on your view of Jesus Christ. And Peter got it right, spot on. Some of you are looking at your watches. You say, this is long on the first point. My first point is the longest. Hang in there. I'm almost, I'm moving on. Peter got it right. He nailed it. He hammered it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because this was a revelation from the God of the universe to you. You get it. You get it. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the son of God. Look, look at some of the other names and titles uh, that we have for Jesus in the Bible. He's the Messiah, the anointed one of God. God come in the flesh. He's very God of very God. In John 1, he's called the Word of God. He's called the Creator in John 1. He's called the Creator in Colossians. He's the sin eater, the bloodshedder, the good news producer, the one mediator, the way, the truth, and the life, and the door to God. He's everything, isn't he? We simply cannot talk too much about Jesus Christ as we think about moving forward as a church because who he is is all important. And that's why I love when Pastor Tyler, at the end of the sermon, uh, uh, even though he's talking to those of us who've been following Jesus since the time of the Apostle Paul and less, he's talking to those who have not yet met him for the first time or who are really being drawn uh, because Jesus is what matters. And so the answer to the question, who is Jesus, leads us then to the next issue. Uh, who, who is the church? Who is the church? Who exact, and here's another question. Do we know exactly who we are? Who is the church? And some of you are saying, shouldn't you be saying, what is the church? I know, me too. I wanted to say that. But really, the question is, who is the church? Because the church is a people, not a steeple, right? The church is a people, uh, not a building, not an it, uh, but the people of God. And so he says in verse 18, I say to you, you're Peter, uh, the, uh, I will, uh, and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. This is the first time we see the word church in the New Testament. You'll see it 111 times in the rest of the New Testament. But here's the first time Jesus says it. And the word simply means the called out ones. The called out ones, those who've been called out from around, from all those on the face of the earth to be the followers of Christ, to be the true people of God in the New Testament era uh, of God's redemption plan. 
and, and, and we have other names. There's a ton of other names. Put, put up some of those names. Uh, if we went into this in depth, you would be here most of the rest of the day. I can't do that. I've got about three more minutes, so hang in there. But look at all these titles. You guys are something else. You're the bride of Christ, the bride of the lamb, the body of Christ, the church of the firstborn, the church of God, uh, all of these things. Who is the church? Who are you? Do we know exactly who we are? In Christ, you are the deeply beloved, redeemed daughters and sons of the Most High God. That's who you are. And the gospel is good news because the, the bad of our sin has been placed on Christ and he has lived out perfectly the law for us. And then he took our curse perfectly. You, you, know, you, you know who you are? You're living miracles. That's who you are. You're, you are the living miracles of the power of the living God. You are the church of Jesus Christ. In all of our humanity and in all of our weakness, we are God's deeply beloved children. And who we are is absolutely crucial, particularly as we think of following Dr. Groff and the elders and the staff and the deacons and this church as we move ahead. Who is Jesus has got to be center, central in our mind. And then... Who are we? Who are we? God's deeply beloved, redeemed children. But that begs the third question, doesn't it? Real easy. Uh, what do we have? What do we have? Do we know exactly what we have to give to the world? And, and so here it is. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, verse 19. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. I want you to know, if you're a Bible student, that there is so much technical information about those verses right there that we don't have the rest of the day to go into it. Uh, and it's, it's not essential for us today, but to understand the power of the church in the first uh, verse 19. I will give you, what is the word? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Not just for Peter, but for the rest. Now look at verse 20. And then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Okay. Do we know exactly what we have? What do we have? As we go forward, what do we have? We got the keys. What do you mean? Wasn't that just for Peter? Wasn't that just for the elders? That they have ecclesiastical power? No, that, that's really the church. We, the church, have the keys of the kingdom which is very similar in metaphor to what a key does, simply the ability to open up. God wants to use us, the church, to open up the kingdom of God to other people, the gospel. You're the key. We have the keys. You are the key. I am the key, believe it or not. We have the keys of the kingdom that our people around us need in greater Orlando, all around us, that they, you have what they need. We have what they need. We have the opportunity to give them what they need. Now, there's one verse in the Bible that is no longer applicable, at least, to us today, and it's verse 20. Did you pick that up? 
He told his disciples not to tell them, uh, the people who he was, because it wasn't the right time. And at the right time, it was, it was out there. And that led to the crucifixion of our Lord on our behalf. But the reality is that verse, verse 20, doesn't apply to us anymore because right now we have the Great Commission telling us what? Wherever you go, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. So what do we do now? Who is Jesus Christ? Who are we? What do we have as we coalesce together and pull together and move ahead as a church. Answering those three questions in the right way is absolutely crucial. We are to shine as lights of the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world, in this place, in this time. Now, I was going to get Jack Michaels to sing a song today for us. A few weeks ago, I stumbled onto an old Mercy Me song from 2014. So a lot of you guys probably know it. Some of you students know it. It's called Burn, Baby, Burn. And I said, Jack, I want you to sing. Let, why don't you sing this in church? And he valued his job a little bit more than uh, following what I had to say. So he said, Pete, that's a great idea. No, but I love the song. I love the song. If you see me riding down the trail someday, singing, uh, probably singing this song. It starts out this way. And do we know exactly who we are? Do we know exactly who we are? We hold the light, but we still listen to the dark. And it tells us that we don't measure up. And it tells us that we'll never be enough. Tell me, do we know exactly who we are? We're the light, light of the world, light of the night. When will we learn? Now is our time. Of course we don't measure up, but Jesus measured up for us, didn't he? Of course he did. Now is our turn to burn, baby, burn. Oh, oh I'm not going to sing it. Burn, baby, burn. Burn, baby. I love it. Uh, on the trail, I'll be singing it because nobody can hear me. And do we know exactly what we have? Are you hearing my sermon in this a little bit? And do we know exactly what we have? Why don't we let it shine while we have the chance? It's not so we can earn our place. We shine because we've been saved by grace. Tell me, do we, do we know exactly what we have? We're the light, light of the world, light of the night. When will we learn? Now is our time. Now is our turn to burn, baby, burn, burn, baby, burn. That's a good Presbyterian statement. Burn, baby, burn. Isn't it great to know who we are? And in the gospel, we've been set right. And these three questions of this important text bring us together to understand that we follow the living God of the universe, Jesus Christ. We are his disciples. We are the beloved of God. And what do we have? The keys to give to other people. We have the gospel. And if Jesus can build a church on a guy like Peter, on a confession such as Peter has, he can do it with us. He can do that with us. John Haggai said this, he said, attempt something so great for God that if God's not in it, it's doomed to failure. And that's the Great Commission, isn't it? It's so great that if he's not in it, it's doomed to failure. Aren't you glad that we get to be his church? Coalescing around this leadership, moving ahead, 
to advance the kingdom of God at this place, at this time, until Jesus comes back. I sure am. You take it to heart, and so will I. Let's pray. Our great God, how we thank you for your goodness. How we thank you for the words here in Matthew 16. And how we ask that you would energize us so much by your spirit that the gospel of grace would cause us to shine and to burn so bright that your glory could be seen all around us. And we thank you for this special day. We commit it to you as we do pray, Jesus, in your strong and holy name. Amen.